Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is the best of two pros and a cup of joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. So, Jeff, we were talking before we went to break about DeAndre Hopkins um, and the idea of possibly taking less money. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have reportedly shown interest and 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 basically said they would love to have DeAndre Hopkins be a part of the team. Now, the first thing that I thought about immediately upon seeing this article was, one, you know things still aren't at ease or at rest settled, put put to bed with uh with Diggs, with Stefan Diggs. And and so you start to think to yourself, well, you got DeAndre Hopkins out there. You still got to pay Stephon Diggs his money, and and he's obviously a, you know going to be a part of this season. But is this kind of like like almost like a little slight dig at at Stephon? Like, man, get your you know tighten up, like get yourself together, because you could talk all this this you know whatever you talking right now and act the way you want to act, but. This show does keep going on, and if we could get somebody like DeAndre Hopkins in here, like you know, we mess around, keep moving, and and end up de- deactivating your your old uh, musty, crusty, rusty, don't want to play ass. You know, no, nah, 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 I'm just saying that might be how they thinking. But what, what I mean I, is, there do you think that there's anything to that? No, I, I think that you when you have a, a, the the ability to add a player like Hopkins to your offense, you, you do it. Okay. Um, I don't think it's anything to do with dig up. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe there is something to the idea that hey, um, you know, things aren't going as well with digs as they have been in the past. We need to. You know, have some um, some you know backup plan if, if Diggs is, is unhappy. But look, Levar, I I don't have a problem with wide receivers that are that they kind of. I'm not sure Diggs is, it would be considered a diva, but wide receivers are sort of that's generally what we've the, labeled them. I mean, that's that is what yeah, we sure. and I've said that in shows in past. But, like that's okay. that's what we generally label yeah. receivers. They're divas, right? But here's why I don't it doesn't bother me as much because. Their position, much like corner, who tends to be a diva as well, if we yeah. you know, put a label, they're the lone, lonely, lonely Correct. souls. They're, yeah, they're they're they're. It's a very individual, oh, In, individual, individualistic yeah. position, right? Yeah, you're you're by yourself. You're yep. on an island yep. now. Of course, you need the quarterback to throw you the ball, but you are by yourself. Like you have to win your route one on one. As an offensive lineman, you know I'm one of five, right? I, I can't be good if, if 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 not everyone else is good with me, right? right. Yep. Um, you know, you're a quarterback. You have to have your offensive line block for you. Your 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 wide receivers run the right routes. Your tight end be in the right place. The running back do his job. So I understand wide receivers are very much selfish, selfish, selfish. selfish. Yeah, selfish. Like I under, I totally get it. So. When it's not surprising to me that a wide receiver digs anyone else feels this way about not getting the ball, about not you know not being able to play well in big in in, in a big game because again it's it's not really up to him it's up to the quarterback the quarterback's got to get him the ball right the quarterback has to has to do the things necessary to make sure he succeeds in a big game and so I understand I'm I'm totally. 
understanding of the idea that he might feel this way at any time about being in Buffalo, right? Yeah. But that doesn't change why you would get DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. You can never have too many enough good players on a football. That, any, well, any, that's true. Lord, yeah. you can never have enough good football players. Period. In any position, You're right. You're in right. Any position. And the Bills, their goal obviously is to win the AFC and be in the Super Bowl. They've gone backwards, by the way. Yes, right? they Three have. Years ago, AFC Championship game. Yep. And then it was a division round loss to the Chiefs. That was a close division round loss. And then eventually, obviously, we saw what happened last year. So. Adding a good player like Hopkins, no matter the situation with any wide receiver, is good for everyone. It's good for everybody. And um, I am curious if they do this. Again, for Hopkins, we we, we talked about this. It, at this point in his career, are you chasing you know, team glory? Are you chasing a Super Bowl? Are you chasing money? Because you have the money. You play a lot. You've played, he's played like, a, I think this is his 11th year in the NFL. He's played a lot of time in the NFL. He, he, you know, are you going to chase wins chase team glory or chase money if you're chasing money then you should i don't know, choose the team that pays you the most money if you're chasing wins buffalo kansas city there's a lot of options if you want to uh to to, to try to win a super bowl because right now that's what you should be doing in my opinion yeah uh see i i tend to think that buffalo making that available to the media i do think that it's direct towards towards digs because I, I, while I agree with everything that you're saying, I still think that it it's very curious that the beef that we saw or the the just utter just discontent or upset feeling that we saw Diggs have after the playoff game yeah. and the way he stormed out would would still be lingering all the way till now and make its way again to the surface where the media gets a hold of it and are talking about it. I think that's just that's very that's when have you ever heard of that? Okay, so what what is he what was he upset about in the in, in the uh, All I'll game? say is while I don't know exactly why he, you know, not from his mouth the words from his mouth, I can assume that in the biggest game of the year uh, so he was targeted, I believe, ten times in 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 that loss in their playoff game, but he only had three catches. So not knowing what all of those those ten targets look like, or or how he was being used in the passing game, I would assume that there was a frustration in terms of how the game was being called for and and putting him in position to have the proper success. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's really to me, and the fact that they lost. But you get over losses, right? So yes. I'm not sitting there thinking to myself, Stephon Diggs is showing back up to the facility, and he's still upset and, and bothered by them losing that game. I mean, they're probably all bothered by the fact that they lost the game. But it's a new season. It's a new year. You move on. So for him to still be upset, it's it to me. It says to me something needed to happen, like the play calling, the play sheet. The, the, the way he's being used, something needed to happen. He was upset, you know, this is the way the game was called, like whatever it may be, I'm out of here. He gets back, and and this is just my me putting, like just, just kind of deductive reasoning or trying to put the pieces together. It's the same exact coach. It's the same exact calls. It's the same exact way of going about business. I felt like that's why Josh Allen got involved and said to 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 the media like I could have handled this better. I could have I could have done more. To me that says he could do more to get the ball to Stefan and keeping him happy. That that was how I interpreted what was being said because ultimately if you've played in this game and you've played at a high level even if you played in college you know that your top receivers are always disgruntled after games because they didn't get enough balls. They are always upset because they didn't get enough balls. Always. You get to the league, it's the same exact thing. They're always upset that they didn't get enough balls. So when you start to look at why a quarterback would start to get involved and try to like kind of put things together and, and, and make sense of it, that says to me he felt like he could have talked to Stephon, he could have – 
put Steph on, maybe got his input a little bit more, whatever it may have been that led to more success. I felt like that's what he was trying to say, not I needed to get involved in between them arguing with one another and break it up yeah. and, and this, that. I didn't I didn't feel that was the scenario. I felt like, hell, like he caught the ball three times. Yeah. This is our best receiver. You know, to me, it feels like there's something else happening here, right? Because that was a long time ago now. <laughs> that was January. And if Diggs is still upset – about that one game that something else happened, right? Whether it was a disagreement with his quarterback, whether it was, to your point you've just mentioned, right, a, a disagreement with the play call or not liking the plays that are being called, something else happened. To Because, look, we, we all have games that we we didn't like that we were in, right? We all have games that, that just didn't go as well for us. But six months later, you're kind of over it, right? You're kind of over it, LeVar. Like, we, 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 it, it's time to move on. I'm over it after that week. Like, I'm going to let it drive me. Correct. I'm, I'm going to let it so, drive but so, I'm over so it. Something, so if Diggs is still upset about about Buffalo, about his season last year, yep. something else happened. I just feel like there's – if I'm going into a season, Jeff, and everything is the same and nothing has changed, and my last game was three catches and I got I got targeted ten times, but I don't know – like, he knows exactly how those, those targets felt and how they looked. My whole thing is, if I got to gear up to have an entire season like this, if this is the way – you just sat there and said it. I said it myself. They may have hit their ceiling. They they may have gotten to, to the top of where they're going to go, and, and this might be it. So if I'm going into the season and I'm your, your marquee – receiver I'm your number one receiver and this is the way I've been used I gotta I gotta basically deal with going through an entire season this way I gotta I gotta handle right. week in week out this is how I'm going to be used and to me I think that that's where the frustration and the buildup for Stefan Diggs may be yeah. is that that something is this hasn't changed like y'all haven't changed anything like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, upset. Y'all haven't changed it. Well, what? I'm, but here's the thing, though. Uh, look, I'm trying is, to like live through his. You know what no, I mean? No, I'm I like Dexter. No, you know what I mean? Like I trying to hit you with a Dexter. But but my but the thing is too. What at some point as a player, you have to accept your surroundings, right? And, and you have to like there, Ken Dorsey's not going anywhere after. Like he's not. So being angry about the play caller, the play calling. The time is done for that. Like the time now is to get ready for the season and do the best you can to play your best in this current season. And so, being upset about what happened last year, Lavar, is not good for your health. Agree. It's not good for your team's health. It's not good for you know preparing for this upcoming season. Like so, buddy. Again, we're projecting a little bit here because we don't know how he still feels this way. Yeah. But like, you gotta get over it, man. Yeah. Get, get over it. It's time. It's time to be over it, um, because you're nothing's going to change. Your, your OC is going to be the same. Your play callers, you know, your, your 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 wide receiver coach, your quarterback. So if he's still upset about the situation in Buffalo, either you accept it and you get ready to play your best ball this season to help your team win, or you you know, ask for a trade. I'm not going to trade you, but you can ask for a trade all you want. Um, but to me, Hopkins, addition to Hopkins is more about just strengthening your room. Than it is, you know, trying to to basically oust Diggs. They're, See, they're, they're I don't different think players, it's about right? ousting him though. I don't think it's about ousting. I don't him. think it is either. I think it's more so about like just a subtle keep keep things in perspective, my guy. We're paying you for it for a deal, oh, yeah. and this this train will continue to run. Stop yeah. after stop. We will continue to oh, yeah. to, to, to to go. <laughs> And they're different, and two, it's worth pointing out, like they're different players, right? Sure. You know, Diggs obviously is a is a speedster, takes the top off. You know, Hopkins is is a player that's he runs that, his routes, got strong yes. hands. He'll he'll get yes. you, he'll get the fifty fifty ball. Yeah, he is a different type of player, but nonetheless, he has been considered a one for pretty much his entire career. Stephon Diggs is a one pretty much his entire career, right? So if you're talking about two ones, that's two super predators, really. If you're really thinking about it, so oh, yeah. if I'm trying oh, to yeah. bring in uh, uh, historically, this is a one. While I'm I'm also looking on the other side of this, and there's the drama playing out between your current one. I just I just 
I don't know if it was because of just continuing to to, to hear that there's drama still with Stephon Diggs. Still, I mean, that's 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 I mean that's extraordinarily long for you to have hard feelings towards something that we saw take place during the playoffs. So there has to be an issue there. Like you said, there has to be something there, something more, whatever it may be. I, you know, keep in mind he had. I mean, his his numbers are relatively the same. If anything, I think he did actually a little. He had more targets or more catches, whatever it was this past season. But for some strange reason, I don't think that they felt like their offense was as productive as it was. It certainly it was losing, not since it, losing their first offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, yeah it, losing Dayball. It, it certainly was not the same level of execution last season than it was the previous year. Um, especially as the season got longer when they were, you know, the, the more time they had w- without Brian Dable, you saw Josh Allen return a little bit to that YOLO football that, um, you know, that's not always what he has done best in his career. Um, but in, in, in the red zone struggle as well, which I think is another kind of symptom of not having the offense coordinator that did so well. And then Dable did excellent with Daniel Jones, yes, right? he did. Um, so there definitely was something towards missing him. And I'm actually, this is what I'm curious about this year, heading into this year, is like, look, it, what adjustments are made offensively? And, and you could be right, LeVar. This is uh, Stephon Diggs lashing out about the offensive coordinator and not and not really that's trusting what I, that's what the I think plan. It, that's what I think it and, is. And I think also, too, look, the Bills, as we mentioned, have gone backwards, right? They, 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 were, they were in the AFC Championship game three, three, three seasons ago against the Chiefs. They lost that game. The next year, they lost on the road in the divisional round. Obviously, we know the famous game where the Chiefs came back um, and won in overtime. And then last year, they got blown up by the Bengals. At home, by the way, at home, got blown up by the Bengals in the divisional round, in the snow. A game that you would expect yourself to win at home. That's why you work all season to host that game. So there could be some animosity still with with with, with that. With that, And I get I get if you're a player, those things can bother you. However, it's the season, the season starts... In, in you know you go to camp in what's today July twelfth yeah, in two weeks, like two weeks everyone reports in yeah, two weeks yeah. you got it, you have to get over it you have to find a way to move past it because you're gonna have a it football is very difficult we, we you know and it's even worse when you when you don't like being there yeah <laughs> so right like you, you if you're a player you gotta convince yourself that you're there for the right reasons you're there to help your team win because again if not man it's 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 bad mentally in a bad place. When the season starts, it, it doesn't go well. So I, I hope for his sake that this is really nothing, and you know they're just adding Hopkins because it's a smart play because he's a good fo- he's a good football player. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts if Hawk. Hopkins did decide to go to the Bills and see what their success level would be and how they're being used once once the season starts with a DeAndre Hopkins and a seemingly well unsettle uh, Stephon Diggs. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There's a new little article that came out by the Four Letter Network talking about, uh, well, he was free and clear how the leak of John Gruden's email led to the fall of Commander's yeah. owner, Dan Snyder. All right. Now, it's a pretty long. It's, it's, it's very a, long. It's a very, very long article. And and it kind of starts with how the the Raiders were approached and and what uh, Mark Davis found himself having to deal with 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 coach John Gruden and the leaked emails that led to his demise as the head coach of the of the the Las Vegas Raiders. Then it gets into the 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 leakers, the identities and how they have still remained unknown and and how it was, you know, directed at yeah. at the Morris, then it's directed at Daniel Snyder. It's it's it was directed at the Raiders. I mean, there there are a lot of people that were were yeah. actually in uh in the crosshairs of all of this, but none bigger than Daniel Snyder getting caught up into more and more legal drama yeah. as this unfolded and ultimately ended up being a major undoing of him being the, the owner of 
of the Washington, then the Washington Redskins, now the Washington Commanders. Um, you know, what's your what's your you know, I've never had this conversation with you. What what is your yeah. take on how all of this has unfolded with with the Snyder uh, saga as it yeah, continues? Get, get him up out of there. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, like it. Um, I'm glad he's Pierce gone. I think the I don't know if the sale is completely final yet, but um, he's bad for business, man. It's bad for the NFL. Bad for business. Um, you know, we we know what's been uh, happening in his building, um, and you don't need a, a partner like that in the NFL, right? You, just, mm-hmm. you don't. Um, the team has been bad. The um, fans do not like the team. The city doesn't like the team. Players have not liked playing for him um, and get him up out of there, man. Like it, owners have lost their teams from, for much, um, you know, for things not as, um, as badly alleged happened in his building uh, over the years, right? Like get him up out of there. Who, who, you know, I know there was, you know, thought, oh, he might black, who cares? Just get him up out of there. LeVar and I, every Washington fan I know is so happy. He's gone. I'm sure you have your thoughts on him as well, huh. having played there. Um, but, you know, the story is interesting because, you know, the heart of it is, you know, who leaked the John Gruden emails. For those who, who do not remember, uh, it was two years ago now, emails were leaked um, that John Gruden had said, um, had used racist tropes, had, um, you know, bashed Goodell, um, and used some slurs doing that as well. And emails got out, and eventually he was fired for that. And the question is, how did these get out? Because this is part of, a, of an investigation of a lawsuit and should not have gotten out. And, you know, the the prevailing wisdom has been Dan Snyder let this out because he wanted to sort of take everyone down with him, right? Mm-hmm. And be able to kind of, um, you know, to blackmail everyone in the NFL, which is everyone's you know thought that that was, you know, this was out because of that. There was a thought that there was a story about Jerry Jones that was out because of Daniel Snyder. And um, the article goes into, is it, was it Goodell who leaked this? Was it DeMora Smith? Who I had not heard that before, but the timing is kind of interesting. It was Snyder, right? It was Snyder. He, he threatened to do all these things and did it anyways. And now he's gone. I'm just, I'm just glad he's gone, LeVar. I, I am so glad for the NFL and for the, the Washington fans and players that, that they have, will have a new owner who will care much more about winning, who will put the resources in. They need to win. Who will hire the right people to help the franchise win and will not threaten to, to blackmail the league when, when, when it doesn't go his way. Yeah. Uh, I, I live this. <laughs> first hand as, yeah, as, as, as a as a Washington football player the environment was a toxic environment I can confirm that firsthand it, uh Dan Snyder is not a morally and ethically uh sound man his rules of engagement change um someone that seemingly seemed like a really really dope dude in the beginning uh ultimately would show you his his true color. You got there about the same time, right? Yeah, I was his first draft pick. Yeah, I was there his first draft yeah. pick. So, if there would be someone who would know, it'd be, probably be me. Yeah, um, no, I know. That's why I defer to you. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's but he's a super cool dude to begin with, and on the surface level, he was super dope dude. We got really close. I always tell people the story that you know I was actually we, at some point I was so close with with him and the family. I would visit his dad while he was you know, ill in, in the hospital. And I was with him around him for his last days around him and his, his, his mom. Um, well, his, I was around his dad and his dad's wife. And yeah. So, so to, to make sure it's clear. And, um, I was a pallbearer for, for him and, and his, you know, and his, his funeral, we were really close. We used to sit together on the team playing. We, we played chess, on the way to to games or back from games, we we'd have long conversations. Um, we've gone out to dinner like we were like the beginning of our relationship was a really really harmonious relationship. Um, it wasn't until the the politics of a contract got into the situation that really showed that maybe it wasn't that we couldn't be cool. It was just that business always was going to be more important than anything else 
more important than relationships, more important than anything else. And whatever that business is as to how he sees it or, you know, interpret it, how business is supposed to look and how it's supposed to feel at the workplace with your employees and, and everything that's associated with it. Uh, I, I think he just had a very, very uh, detached lens um, uh, out of focus lens of what a healthy work environment is supposed to be. And for one reason or another, you know, everybody has their, their whole um, ideas and, and their, their assessments as to why they think Daniel Snyder has been the way that he has been. But, you know, for me, I, I looked at the situation and I just basically thought to myself, it's, it's kind of like simple things that you could have did to really, really rally your team, rally your building around you and around what, what the team represented. And, and it was just constantly opportunities for that to take place. That never happened. It just never happened, right? You, you could, I always say, you know, you could know the people who are taking care of the facility. I speak to Vladi every day. I speak to Miss BJ every day. You know, whoever our trainers were, I speak to them every day, spend time with them. Our, our coaches, you know, in, the, in the, the, the weight room, speak to them. Spend time with them every day. He, he, he know those all. people? No. Not only did he not know who they were, but if you did not, if you were not a person of note, you were not allowed to. Now, these are reports, but, and I was told this firsthand, by the way. So this isn't like a report. This is me in the building, and I'm being told by other employees, my colleagues in the in the building, that this is what they've been told to do, which was you have to put your head down and don't look at them. When he comes in, oh, don't even geez. look at him, right? And if you're if you're in a situation where you're addressing him, you have to say Mister. You have to address him as Mister. Snyder. You can't call him Dan. You gotta call him Mister. Snyder. So it was just things like you know, trying to establish uh, an environment to me that was more set and geared towards uh, really, really building up and stroking uh, an ego. And I think that it became the arrogance and the culture of the upper brass to be the same way. Bruce Allen was a douchebag, big time, 100%, 10 out of 10 douche, right? Uh, other guys that had been with him, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, listen, I ain't going to hold you, but I'm going to just keep it real. Tony Wiley, you were a schmuck while you were dealing with him as well. Carl Swanson, you were schmucking. Now I'm learning what words we can use hey, on Truster Radio. Hey, okay, all right, I'm taking note. Let's go. go. Carl Swanson, you were <laughs> schmucking it out too. <laughs> Anybody, uh, Mark, M- Mark, you were you were schmucking it out too. Uh, I don't forget your last name for some reason. Um, but it just seemed like everyone who came in and, and, and Vinny, Vinny, you were my guy, but you know what? You were schmucking it out too, Vinny. All these guys would come in and what happened was they would, they would give in and give way to the arrogance of how Dan Snyder handled things. And they became a part of an entourage. So when Jay Gruden came in and took over as a coach, he did the same exact thing. When McGlewin came in as the GM, he did the same thing. Like everything was about just ego tripping. Like your ego goes to a whole nother place because that's what Dan Snyder valued was was the ego and the feel of how him and his his cronies how they how they moved and how they looked when they did things at the owners' meetings, going into the games, you know whatever it may have been. It was all just based off of a facade. You know, you were creating this this image of being like like the dude. I mean, he was walking around. Shots out to security because Mike and those guys, all the guys that were doing security. I mean, super dope dudes. But he'd have fully armed, you know, agents that were walking with him around the building. What? Like he was never alone. Like he was never by himself. He always had his security with him, and they were always That's in weird, their man. Super weird, my G. Super weird. Like, no matter where he was at, he was moving was, around. Was he, afra- with, was he afraid of the players? See, what, to what me, you, I don't think it was him being it was a, afraid. It was intimidation. It was intimidation. Like, he was yeah. trying to create the intimidation factor, or the, the, the factor <sighs> of this larger-than-life figure. And no one ever looked at him as larger-than-life. They just looked at him as little Danny. You know? That's why. 
Right, little Danny, you know. And so, anyway, I, it's interesting that this report coming out as it applied to someone else that was being pinpointed, it was still linked back to Washington and, and the culture that was there, and it ultimately led to a lot of investigative moves. It, it led to the pressure of him having to eventually, you know, put this team on the market. Now, if you're paying attention, the team still hasn't been sold. It hasn't gone through yet. Correct. You know, we're in July. This is July 12th. You know, this has been going on for quite some time. The team still has not settled on its new ownership group and, and it has not moved now while i continue to hear that it's it's moving and it's going to happen it still hasn't happened yet so i find that to be interesting he's the sole owner i believe of of all all of the washington uh team because if, if you recall he was being fought by by other minority owners and he ended up winning or getting them up out of the way so it yeah, ended up just being his team um but I mean, there's just so many details of this. Like, I, I know some of the cheerleaders that were involved with, with what took place, and, and they're always constantly hitting me up telling me, make sure you put it out there. We want to see the report l- released. You know, we need to be able to see what the report is. And I don't disagree with her. I don't d- disagree with them. You know, and Melanie is one of the people I'll say, I call it out by name because she's, she's, they they protest and they go from city to city when these things are taking place. Melanie is, is part of the people that lead – uh, the group of, of women that were in these situations that took place. And I think that this needs to be released. The report needs to be, be released because yes, the absolutely. biggest thing is I know we're up on it, but just I'll just say this to finish off. Regardless of him selling the team, it should not – it should not remove all culpability from the things and the damage yeah. that he's done. Like he he ruined my career. Like the way that thing was handled, it, it pretty much ruined my career. And I don't I don't I don't really for a long time I guess I had denial issues about like how much it impacted me and how much it affected me. I was upset by it and I was I was very, very bothered by it. And I was told for a long time I was really angry. <laughs> And I I didn't see it. I didn't believe it. I didn't feel it. But I th- I feel like a lot of the fans that said it, they were probably correct. Like I was I was upset. I was uh, I was angry at somebody that I was so close with that we could end up where we were at, and it was connected to the most important part of my life, uh, which was playing ball. But but now I just look at it from the standpoint of the collateral damage done to people that maybe didn't you know handle it or or get through it as well as I may have you know like I moved on with my life I have done done well since but there are a lot of people that were impacted by it in a way where you know it was just very difficult for them I think they should have their opportunity to get closure too and I think that the reason why all of these conversations are continuing to linger on is because he's trying to get out of having any type of culpability once he sells this team and I think that that's something that should not be compromised. I don't think it should be compromised. Just because you sell the team doesn't mean that you get to be uh, exonerated from any and all claims that have been against you that actually led to you having to sell the team in the first place. So, yeah, well, I think I think that's I mean that's part of what what he's trying to stipulate is as as. Um you know, if he sells a team, then you can't release the report, right? He's trying right. to get that stipulated, I yeah, believe. I, that's exactly right. He does not want the damage to to further continue after he's done selling this team. And I don't, I just don't see how that there's any way that you can. Uh, there's no, there's no way that you can can do that. Like, you just, there's no way that they can say that. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to go to my man, the OP, right now. Petros Papadakis. Good morning. Show. Good morning, sir. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Hi, Jeff. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm I'm here, sitting here. Are you going to be in Vegas next week? 
I am. Uh, oh yeah, I have it. to overlap. I, uh, I, you know, I hate going anywhere, and if I have to go somewhere, I really don't want to go to Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas is why. Good. Really, you want to know? Yes. Uh, I feel like Las Vegas is a horrible place oh for myriad reasons. <laughs> Number one, I would say. Uh, it's always dangerous to be anywhere like Disneyland or somewhere like that where people feel entitled to a good time. Like oh. they feel like if I'm not having a good time, I'm 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 wasting my time and money, which I guess is the case in Vegas. So everybody ends up kind of like clawing over each other like rats, you know, hmm. in, in a drowning situation. Dang. Clawing for that good time. Yes. The other thing that bothers me about Vegas, so it's like you get this frantic kind of vibe with everybody, kind of like a line outside the club sort of vibe everywhere at all times. And that brings in the wristband culture of Las Vegas, mm. which is like there's always something better than what you have. Like, yeah, you might have that special wristband and the three-level uh, club party uh, table service at this particular place or something, but you don't have the f the super special wristband. To be next to the DJ booth. Yeah, where the guy's being filleted by a dolphin in a special jacuzzi. Oh, you know. wow. You, you know, there's always something <laughs> wow. that is uh, way better than what you got. And not to that's not to say, like, you shouldn't be happy with what you have, but they rub it in your face, you know, like you, you see the guy, the, the jacuzzi, the guy that is with the dolphin in is see-through, you know, so they put it in your face. Also, like the oh, world so of paying uh, like six, seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars for a nice, uh, decent hotel room. Oh, that's gone. Well, we live there, though, right? Like, you know, you, you could pay even more than that. Right. And most places, they charge you a bunch of money for a hotel. And they'll call you a cab. Las Vegas is the only place where you're paying 900 bucks a night for a room. you got to pay extra to use the gym. You do have to pay to use the gym. Wait, and do you? $20 I had to pay. Yeah, and you're already paying 1000 bucks or whatever. And then you want to go take a cab somewhere. you got to wait in this a-hole cab line. My point is they do so much volume as far as people go, like Disneyland, that they don't know the difference between somebody staying in the hotel or a frat boy who's barfing uh, on the carpet hmm. who just came from the Four Queens. Hmm. So it just, to me, is there's, if you're going to spend money and try to enjoy yourself, there's so many other places to do it. Now, I am an agoraphobe, and I don't really like going anywhere. Hmm. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. But, yes, I will be in Las Vegas with uh, with all of our friends in the Mountain West and the Pac-12. I'll be at Mountain West Media Day, too. Yeah, We're I got to do I'm Mountain West. Uh, what is it? It's Circa. Can you guys get have a big hug and send me of the Of course selfie? we will. But I'm only going to be there. I have to come back Can for a send funeral. Me, send me the selfie. Oh, I'm and sorry. I, here. Yeah, and then I have to go to the Savannah Bananas. You ever heard of what that is? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're, so, uh, they're in town right now. It's crazy. Yeah, I have to take my son to uh, see the about Savannah totally Bananas. different, but okay. Savannah. No, no, it's Savannah a baseball. Bananas, it's like the Harlem deal. Globetrotters of baseball. Yes, okay. it's a huge deal. Got it. Got the guy it. I used to know, what's know his that. name? Eric Burns, the guy from uh, UCLA. Okay. I think he's behind it in some way or another. Oh. Maybe he's not. I don't know. That's but uh, yeah, so, so I will be there. I have to do the Mountain West meetings. For Fox, so they bring in all the different Mountain West coaches for me. I got to sit in a room, and then I got to go to the most awkward dinner on earth, the Pac-12. Well, it's going to be bad this year, buddy. Oh, be, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. can I'll we talk about that? Like, all right, so the Pac-12 is is deteriorating, to say the least, very quickly. Old P, and I just I wonder, does it does it does it go to nothing? Does it does it disband or does it does it dissolve? Well, that's a great, that's a good question because most people don't they don't want to cut to the bone and ask that question, right? Yeah, they want to ask about San Diego State <laughs> right. or something like that. And you know, deteriorating quickly, I, I would say it appears that way. 
but only because like it appears that a guy at the end of running 100 or 200 meters is is going faster and the truth is that guy's not going faster he's just maintaining speed and that's what's happened to the Pac-12 uh and I've tried desperately to make this point and I don't think anybody wants to hear it and it used to be a point that a lot of our journalist colleagues like John Canzano and John Wilner really made first and got us all riled up. And now they've kind of taken a different direction with their reporting, which is understandable. But the truth is this happened the day Larry Scott did his deal. The Pac-12 was irreparably harmed and has been bleeding out ever since. Mm. Uh, their deal got them, you know, eleven, twelve million dollars less than everybody else was making that they were trying to compete with. You multiply that by, you know, whatever a decade, you know, you're talking about one hundred twenty million dollars, and that's one hundred twenty million dollars Purdue has that you don't have because your idiot commissioner would not partner with a television partner that had distribution or knew how to put television on. And then it's on the university presidents for not noticing that they were bleeding out, looking down and seeing all the crimson flowing from the conference and just looking forward and saying everything's great and paying this guy millions of dollars literally to destroy the structure of West Coast college football. And that is what's happened. It is awful. It's heartbreaking. Uh, The Pac-10, Pac-12 and traveling those cities and understanding their past is a huge part of who I am as a broadcaster and my history in my employment, and I am devastated. But what's going to happen? I mean, if I had to guess, the four corner schools go to the Big 12, Oregon and Washington get a probationary deal or a full piece of the pie one way or another, they're going to be there permanently into the Big 10. And then teams that I really like and are really concerned about, Cal Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, we're going to have to figure out. Where do they go? Right. And uh, probably to the Mountain West. And the thing is, it's not going to be very different from who they are now. Like the money, the deal that the Pac-12 did made them more like the Mountain West than the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the SEC or the teams they're trying to compete with. And that's basically, there's nothing wrong with the Mountain West, but it's a different level. And that's the level the Pac-12 immediately became when they lost the Los Angeles market. I hate to be L.A.-centric, but there is no Pac-12 without L.A. And it's not even close. You can't market the conference without that piece. And San Diego State is not going to fill that hole. So, yeah, I mean, it's over. <laughs> it's been over. So, you know, I feel exactly the same way you do about all of this. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. I went to Oregon. Like, I, I do Pac-12 radio, for heaven's sakes, for five, the last five years. Um, so I feel the same way that you do about the regionality of the sport, right? How the West Coast, there's a fabric there with all the teams. They play each other each year. There's a history there. You obviously cover uh, a lot of their games. You've called their games for years. You went to USC. However, nationally, can you make the argument, this is good, right? You get USC, Ohio State, UCLA, Michigan, like you these better games. You get Oklahoma playing Georgia and Texas playing Bama. I know they're playing non-conference this year, but the, the games themselves, Petros, are better football matchups. Well, there'll be a great deal of interest from the city of Los Angeles to the, to the rest of the world of college football. And there'll be plenty to promote, which isn't to say there'll be other stuff to promote at other schools and the landscape will move on. And honestly, I don't even know how long the conferences will last. I mean, the TV deals are the TV deals, but at some point, they just got to get out from under the umbrella of the NCAA, which we talk about all the time, create more of a revenue situation. Because, I mean, guys, this word NIL, I mean, most of the stuff we say is NIL isn't even NIL. It's just a booster plan a guy, uh, paying a guy to play. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's the same as we used to do for decades under the table. Uh, as far as football competition, yeah, I'm interested as hell. I want to see 
what USC is like playing at Northwestern or something in October. <laughs> you know, it's going to be very interesting. And I think there's going to be more and more of that in college football. Mm. And to be honest, there's been that in college football our entire lifetimes and before. Change has been the constant. The Southwest Conference was something that people used to adore, you know, and it's gone. Oklahoma and Nebraska don't play anymore. You know, BYU and Utah didn't play every year. So there's always change, seismic change happening. But uh, it is awful hard to say goodbye to USC at Washington State, you know, on a Thursday yep. night in November. Lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> you know, Dion is, is recovering um, and is back in the saddle. And he seems to be the – kind of the lone lightning rod of uh, I don't know attention for the Pac-12 outside of talking about its demise right now Um, but I mean what would happen P if he wasn't able to coach like I started thinking this the other week the other day like like, if his leg hurt like if he can't coach well you got to get him the the Hugh Freeze uh, dentist bed and then put him up in the booth. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, LeVar, because we talked a lot about Dion, And the question that you asked or a statement you made within the question about how he's the, the lightning rod of, of uh, publicity right now for the conference. And I would say, yes, that's absolutely true right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Fox is going to take advantage of that. They're going to use that. They're going to put Colorado on, yeah. I think, the first two weeks. Two of the yes, first correct. three games they have on will be big noon, uh, not just Fox. You know, it's not just – it's not like I'm showing up calling the game. I mean, we're going to do the whole thing. Brady Quinn and uh, Mark Ingram now. Yep. So that they'll promote the hell out of that. And, and Colorado has thrown one gigantic offseason party. Uh, it reminds me of, like, when the Lakers drafted Lonzo Ball, right? You know, you throw <laughs> – you throw like a three-month party. You talk about his shoes. You talk about, oh, look at a Coach Prime sweatshirt and all this stuff. Uh, water's going to find its level, and they're probably not going to be as interesting to watch during the season as they were in the offseason would be my prediction. And during the season, Pac-12 storylines will be Cam Rising at Utah, Michael Penix at Washington, Caleb Williams <laughs> at USC, Uh, Heisman winner, you know, probably the best player in college football. And can USC play better on defense? Uh, Can they create more of an amalgamated team vibe? That's a a tall task for Lincoln Riley. So uh, I think the storylines will shift to kind of the more proven entities. And for the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it, it's a hell of a send-off, right? Uh, yeah. I forgot Bo Nix at Oregon. You know, I mean, so, I mean, that's going to be the storyline when the season starts, uh, I think. And the off-season parties that were thrown. I mean, I remember the off-season parties that SC used to throw when Kiffin was the coach or Sark or Helton. And they'd be like, well, yeah, the guy's terrible and the, the West Coast football's in disarray because – USC's a mess, but hey, did you see this recruiting class? It's like, God, guys, we've been through this before. Uh, you know, when the season starts, it feels a lot different. So off-season parties, and I think those parties will end in September. Last for me, very quickly on, on your Trojans. Um, yeah, they have more talent on, on defense, um, but besides, you know, uh, one defensive line, they don't have much depth on their defense, right? And we've seen now history of, of Alex Grinch Defenses. They had talent in Oklahoma, too, guys. They weren't just like an untalented bunch there. Uh, no one wants to think about that in L.A. No one wants do, to look at that. Yeah, I know. So do you, I, I can't I believe that Lincoln Riley teams give up points. They can't believe it out here. I think I saw the number. They gave up like 40 points like 18 times. And since in, in, It's ridiculous. Do you see USC being any better on defense? I think they play a much tougher schedule. I think turnovers, you're not going to force 27 turnovers again. Um, I am not as high on USC winning the conference as others might be. Well, USC's turnover thing masked the, an issue that, that really caught up later in the year, right? They forced uh, DTR into three interceptions. Otherwise, they were losing that UCLA game. Yes. And uh, obviously, we saw what Utah did to him twice. Tulane scored at will. I mean, at will. 
I mean, I did the Colorado game. Colorado ran the ball well. Yes, I mean, did. it's interesting because there's something about offensive coaches. There's something about these very special offensive coaches that the other side of the ball gets left out there. Now, what happened at SC last year is hard to imagine. I mean, I do know how quickly that team was slapped together. And I think the real miracle, like you said, is the 27 turnovers, the offense they put together, and the success they had. Uh, you, you juxtapose that with one of the most embarrassing moments in USC football history. I mean, this is USC football, and they could barely field a team against Cal that last game with uh, the, the interim coach and all that. And that was really ugly. Guys didn't want to play. People were uh, disgruntled. And that should not ever happen, fielding a team in a USC uniform. But it did. And privately, Lincoln Riley does cite that. He says, you know, to USC people, he says, you know, you saw what we were up against, and you saw what we've done. Now watch us build it. Uh, With the lack of depth and the way they leave the offense, uh, the way the offense leaves the defense out there, Jeff, uh, it's hard not to feel the same. But uh, it's hard to imagine them being worse defensively, too. I mean, yeah. you would expect them to be a little bit better since it's a point of emphasis. But, uh, you know, with the transfer portal and the way things go, there's no way to know unless we start playing, right? So I, I can't wait to see uh, how they've addressed it. And maybe if they run the ball a little more, or try to keep Caleb on the field a little longer, take some air out of the ball in situations to help the defense out. Uh, we'll see how that that plays out. Well, there you have it. That's the OP. Thank at you, guys. The OP on Twitter, Petro Papadakis. You can catch him on the Petros and Money Show, and a superior, super dope analyst for Fox College Football. We appreciate you, P. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Search FSR to listen live. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.